It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of the Mode Push Podcast, prepare for some gnashing of teeth, some whining, some grumpiness from a couple of guys who wanted to watch a race and then the rain hit it and then wanted to see a world championship and then it wasn't awarded and then it was. Or was it? What are we looking at here, FIA? It's all coming up here on Mode Push. Yay, Max, world champion. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And stop. He's Ricky Cut with his Odyssey. I've got it. I've absolutely got it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Verstappen has taken the chequered flag to win the Japanese Grand Prix. It's a 12th win of the season. Meanwhile, Leclerc goes across the rumble strip. Perez tries to get him on the outside of the final corner. Leclerc comes home to take second place ahead of Sergio Perez. They might have a look at that in the stewards' room after this race. Yeah, so Leclerc's braked. He's just outbraked himself and gone straight. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? He went off and he pushed me off. He came. That was your world championship call right there. Welcome on into Mode Push. The American view of F1 right here. The podcast brought to you by KSL Sports and KSL Podcast. I can see Dan Jimenez shaking his head. No, literally, I can't just imagine it. I'm seeing his head shaking. And that's uh, that was kind of the reaction, I think, of a lot of folks uh, probably today when they woke up and, and decided last night. If you are the diehard fan that decided that you were going to stay up and see how this thing played out. You're better men than Dan and myself. Welcome to Mo Push, <laughs> Alex Curie, Dan Jimenez. So you and I were both kind of talking beforehand. I said, we can't waste this on here. But that was your world championship call. I played that because that was the world championship call that Crofty had. And the 12th win of the season for uh, Max Verstappen. Oh, look at Charles Leclerc and, and, and Sergio Perez. Oh, the stores are going to have to look at that one. They got to start going back and forth. You have a world champion driving across the finish line, and, and it, it, it's not like they're disrespecting him because he had no idea either. So who screwed, yeah. who screwed this up? Who screwed all the confusion up, Dan, as now we can say Max Verstappen is the 2022 uh, world driver champion of F1 and a double world champion in a small, small group of amazing drivers, and we didn't really even get to celebrate it that much. But why did it happen like this? Yeah, yeah. First off, congrats to Max and to Red Bull. I mean, it was inevitable they were going to win the championship, but really sucks that it kind of went down the way that it did because it was it was all just under a blanket of confusion. And the the blame has to ref, uh, rest with the race stewards and the FIA because everyone was confused at the finish of that race around um, why they were declaring Max the the, the champion because. Uh, the race didn't go the full distance. And after Spa last year with that whole debacle of, you know, running two laps under the safety car. Right. Uh, Partial points they, they, awarded then, right? Yeah. Yeah. The teams got together with the FIA to make a new set of rules around how many, how much, like how many points would be given out right. for certain 
percentages of the race that gets run. So up to 25%, up to 50, up to 75%, so on. It's uh, you get that kind of pro rata amount of points. And that was uh, the team, all everyone's understanding, including all the teams, that that was what uh, the proportion of the points would be if a race made at that distance. Mm -hmm. But then the FIA is like, oh, you know, full points and max wins. And everyone's confused, including Max and Red Bull themselves. And you go back and, you know, they point out the technicality of, in the language uh, in the, the rule book. And it says that's only if it finishes under a red flag. But if it finishes under live racing conditions, then it's full points no matter what, even if I guess it runs two laps. And that's <laughs> just that caught everybody off guard, including Sky Sports and everybody on Twitter. And even Christian Horner said after the race, he's like, we all had um, an incorrect understanding and we need to go back and change that rule because that was not the intent of of the rule when we when we wrote it for this year well so, yeah you know it's tough too because so so it's not f1 that screws that up and i think for people who are listening maybe too f1 is to the fia i guess like uh the english premier league would be to fifa right or or something along mm -hmm. those lines or, or uefa or, you know some governing body that's over like a a championship of some sort. Is that kind of the the comparison? Because I think yeah. most people go, dude, isn't FIA and F one aren't they the same thing? But one kind of governs the other. But who really mm -hmm. makes the rules here? Because in the end, we we're all looking at each other, going, "So is this it?" And then they have to go, "Well, let's go back and look at these rules." And I know that after the race, this is what Max had to do. This is this is what had to be Max's reaction after they finally told him. And uh, the confusion was around, and they start talking to each other. Then it's like, hey, everybody, you got to bust out the mini bottles of champagne because it, it turns out that we did get it. Don't pack it up in the truck. It's not going to Austin. Here's what Max had to say after realizing that he was the champion. You know, that was the perfect scenario to win it here, and we did that. Of course, a let's say a little bit delayed, but, um, yeah, still very happy to, uh, to win it. Um, the race as well, I mean, the car was again on fire, and I, I really didn't have any, any issues today. We could look after our tires, um, but... Yeah, looking back at the season we've had so far, it's been pretty impressive, but also really enjoyable for most of it. Going forward, you know, next year I will try again to to beat Max and get the championship. So, yeah, I need the the full support from Red Bull, and hopefully we are able to to, to have that consistency that is needed for for the championship. But for now, what a season Max has done! It's a disappointing race, not because Max won the title, because honestly that was expected. Whether it was this weekend or next weekend or the one after, it was just a matter of time before he he uh, become a, a world champion. And, uh... So there was uh, the the trio of the uh, what ended up being the podium uh, there, Dan. So Max gets first. Sergio is uh, post race, and that's never fun either. The post race kind of uh, after the penalty that was uh, levied out. Sergio gets second place, uh, and, you know, it couldn't have been better for Red Bull in the sense that they had a 1-2, they clinched it in, in Japan, but certainly nobody feels great about how this thing ends like this. And I know it's a dream scenario for Honda, but it's wild when you don't really get it. When you have to explain to somebody that someone won a world championship, that's no fun. Yeah, I haven't seen that in any other sport. You know, they had Max in the post-race interview, and right then you see the banner drop on the screen. It says, <laughs> um, you know, five-second penalty for Leclerc for gaining an advantage. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, he's still not going to be champion because he's only getting 50% points or 75% right. points. And it still mathematically wasn't going to happen. And then the, the whoever was interviewing Max is like, congratulations, you're world champion. And Max is confused. And he's like, What? It's like, that can't be right. And so then they go back into the uh, the cool down room and someone says, congrats. He's like, oh, no, I'm he not champion. He still doesn't champion. believe it. He still doesn't believe it. 
until they like make him go in that weird <laughs> side room where he had to sit by himself in that weird chair like, and this, stare at like being a an video F1 board. Dri- yeah, being an F1 driver suddenly turned into like being on, uh, you know, America's Got Talent and like, we're going to put you over in this so thing over weird. here. We're gonna, the judges like, are going to concur and like actually go over this thing and see exactly. That, that, I mean, that's a freaking bummer. Dan, I mean, yeah. compared to what we had last year, and I get it. You're not going to have yeah, complete opposite. You're not going to have that. Like you don't get that every year. That's why last year was so exciting. Coming down to the last race in the last like half of a lap, that doesn't happen to the World Drivers Championship. But you know, winning it with four races that was already going to be a you know a, a, a crazy accomplishment. And that's the part that that I think, like I couldn't even explain it to my to my kid who's like getting into F1. Because he was like intellectually getting it, but he was still kind of going, yay, like that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, when somebody calls you up and goes, yeah. turns out we, hey, uh, candid camera, joke's on you, looks like you are world champion. And then you go, not really, because you don't come across the line. There's no fireworks. They barely even called it. I, I'm mad for David Crofty because he's making this call and no one's giving him any sort of information. No one knows what the information is going to be. And he's already knowing going across the line. If he would have known the information, Dan, it would have been, hey, yeah. uh, if, if this gets overturned by the Stewarts, you might have a world champion in Max, in Max Verstappen today. You could be staring mm-hmm. at the world champion car driving right now if the Stewarts overturn that and, and you have to see those guys switch places. And so, I mean, I'm not here to, to tell the FIA exactly how to do it. because, it, But I'll tell you, on a weekend where – it's a double loser for these guys this weekend because you had the issue, and I don't know how long you stayed up. I was I was watching the entire drama unfold of the tractor on the track while Pierre mm-hmm. Gasly's racing through, uh, you know, trying to catch up to the group under the under the uh, under the red flag in the safety car, and so all of it that was confusing too because one, trying to explain it to somebody who's watching this happen for you know maybe the first time and how this is working out. Knowing a little bit of the history of of Jewel Bianchi, knowing that he did crash into a tractor, I remember thinking they showed a shot of it, of him going by it, and I thought that's weird that they're still on the track. But you don't really get a good grip for how fast they're going, Dan. And when you hear later that he's going upwards of 200, 250 kph, next to and the worst part was watching the onboards. When you see mm-hmm. the onboard of him going past that tractor that has worse, you know taillights than your kid's bike does like that is that is a disaster so you have this awful weekend by the governing body and it it's not a good look by by f1 either because all the drivers were pissed too so it's just a, it's a little bit of a it was a total cluster for a, an entire oh. race and we're sp- supposed to act like it's an amazing deal because and it's a bummer because max had an amazing championship here yeah yeah that's there's so many other stories kind of kind of floating around the FIA with this weekend and the story should be Max winning this championship. Um, but going into the weekend, you had everything around this like cost cap stuff and the reports that are going to come out uh, next week. And then, yeah, to start the race, everyone complaining like, Hey, we should start this race early. So we're not going you know, to pull another spa and get rained out and they don't do that. And so then they start the race. And then, like you mentioned, uh, this in, this incident with uh, the tractor going out, not only onto the track, like, you know, Jules Bianchi's incident in 2014, the, the, the crane was in the gravel trap, like it was way off the track, but this was even worse. This was a truck on the racing line and zero visibility for all these drivers, including uh, Pierre Gasly. And 
so like when if we were watching it live, you kind of see they show the replay once, and then they like oddly didn't go back. They to never it for saw a while. it again. And we were all. And I it, was honestly going, and then at some point, because I'm a cynical me- member of the media. I went, I know exactly why they're not showing this. These guys freaking screwed it up, and they don't want to keep yeah. showing it, and they control the they control the broadcast, obviously, so why would they keep showing it? Yeah, everyone on Twitter was uh, dropping the videos uh, that had come across the feed, and and everyone realized exactly what had happened. And then, you know, Pierre, you could hear him after he got out of the car saying, like, I could have died. And, you know, it's the reports have come out afterwards that all the drivers were texting each other during the red flag to say, you know, did you see that truck? Like, can you believe that? Um, and for the FIA to, uh, their only reaction during the race was to, uh, you know, give Pierre Gasly a drive through penalty because he was supposedly going too fast, fast under a red flag was just, just terrible. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of hate around the crowd, Jerry and, and <laughs> fandom, uh, for the FIA right now. And then, like you said, like if, if everyone had been clear about what the points, um, were going to play out, like then, you know, the last 10 laps would have been super, uh, dramatic with Sergio catching Charles, because that would have been for the championship and, you know, give it an, another credit to Sergio for playing an important part in helping Max win Massive the championship teammate. in that yeah. last rate, you know, it would have been a lot more dramatic and a lot more fun. And, uh, unfortunately, it was just a, a whole bucket of confusion. Yay, Max Verstappen's a world champion after all that, right? And so we go, there we are, four races left, and the FIA's got a lot of stuff to have to uh, to pick up. You know, last year was interesting, too, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a perfect championship either. And, and so that goes, I mean, that was the equivalent last year. Was the equivalent of, uh, you know, I don't know, in terms of an American sport kind of, uh, not that I have to have some sort of a, a, a cross-reference, but my brain goes that way. And I think about the New Orleans Saints and the non-call, you know, pass interference oh, yeah. when you have the two sides. Yes. Yeah. And we have, we have two sides of the, when you have two sides of the coin and you go, no, your team gets through and you look around and go, ooh, boy, we got away with one, but hey, we're going to the freaking Super Bowl or... Uh, you know, you never want officiating to be at the, at the, uh, you know, at the, at the forefront of all this, when people start talking about the officiating in games, not just as a, as a lash out, you know, complaint session, but there legitimately is the video and you go, yeah, I get their beef, but we'll give this guy the championship. So in a way you have two years in a row, Dan, where everybody's looking around going, so is that guy really the champion? Are we going to have to go to like a last year? If you remember uh, after uh, after Abu Dhabi or or where's the last race? I never remember yeah, where Abu Dhabi. after Abu mm-hmm. Dhabi. You <laughs> they were getting international lawyers trying to figure this thing out, and Mercedes was ready to you know go scorched earth to uh, to get that thing overturned. And so when you don't have clarity, when you don't have a governing body that knows what they're doing. Then you have results like that because no one is going to say, I'm going to an international, you know, committee and we're going to get this thing overturned and we're going to have Interpol, uh, you know, investigating <laughs> this thing. It, you, you don't do that if your sport is all buttoned up on rules. And for all the way that this thing has come, you can understand the frustration of the drivers, too, to see that tractor on the track, to see that this is the same exact. This is Suzuka's where Bianchi ran into the tractor, too, right? Yep. Exact this is a, this is a disaster. Think about yeah. this. This is this is this is Charles Leclerc's uh, godfather. This guy is adored by this entire race community. Should have been a guy who would have been in an F one seat in a Ferrari seat uh, for quite some time, 
And these guys, I mean, Pierre Gasly, for as much, I don't know if it's, if it's grandstanding or if he really feels that way, but these guys who are on the edge of a, of a razor blade every week anyway and putting their lives on the line anyway, it's hard to see something like that happen. And these guys are like calling all my, I mean, what was Gasly's tweet? I'm calling all my friends and family tonight to tell them I love them because I could have died on the track today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be the story of the weekend. You know, um, I think the, uh, Ferrari's already said they're not going to challenge the, the, the five second time penalty. You know, Max was going to win the championship anyways. Uh, I mean, those are, you know, the Max championship is a great story, but I think what will can carry off and or carry on into the off season is this discussion around, um, not only like the breakdown and, uh, the procedure of allowing that truck onto the track, but then the FIA and the stewards seeming like seeming like they were trying to turn a blind eye to it during the race when it was obvious that they had made a giant mistake and not uh, owning it. it. They've they've said they've opened up an investigation post race uh, to find out uh, why did why was the tractor out on the on this uh, track like that? Was did the stewards let him out? We'll find out and hopefully changes will be made. But you had Jules Bianchi's father posting on Instagram and just so much sympathy and, and just kind of fear of what could have could have possibly happened. And there's another view that I saw where there was actually a race marshal out on the track oh behind gosh. that tractor. And he had the jack up on um, Sainz's car and he was trying to get it out of the race line. And you see... <sighs> um, you, you see Pierre just fly by at like 250 kilometers per hour. So it's not only was there a truck out there, there was a guy standing out there in an orange jumpsuit. And in Pierre's view, you never see the guy. You, can't you see only either see it from, from the other video. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is the, the yeah. reason that this thing's not running anyway is because of how bad the stinking weather was. And it's even worse. By the way, when they when they show those onboards and these guys are 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 racing and they're putting their foot to the ground and they have that spray in their face, they just have to trust their lines, the feel, some of those brake lights in front of them, you know, kind of yeah, working. Yeah, trusting the other drivers. Yes, yeah. and so to not have that, because when you see how bright those lights are on the brakes, you know, when we're watching those on boards when they're right next to each other, I mean, that you go, man, you can barely see those. It was nothing like that when you saw that tractor on the track. So they've got a lot of things they've got to work out and figure out. And I mean, and after the race, too, it's a, it's a bummer because then you don't have your – your peers even really kind of congratulating you because they're like, I guess he won, so congratulations, you know. And 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 then Charles is, you know, he definitely he definitely took an advantage by going through the, that that curb and and getting in front of Sergio. And I, I get that he knows it. In any other yeah. race case, he's going to be told to give that place back, or he's going to lose that place in the final, you know, standings. And so that's fine, but it's also a bummer too because you go, oh, that's how that's how you end up technically giving the championship to Max, is that there's mm-hmm. this weird backdoor version of you getting it because this guy on the last uh, quarter of a lap snaked on you know one of the corners, and so it's all all around kind of weird. But man, yeah. we, we saw, and we saw four races the rest of the year too with a bunch of awkwardness in a bunch of different garages with guys who are racing at places they don't want to be anymore watching other places that other guys are going to be racing, guys who are not going to be in seats next year. And so, uh, and then we haven't seen what's going to happen with the cost cap uh, issue either. So still lots to come over the next few weeks. I don't yeah, know what excites yeah. you the most. Yeah, lots to play out. Um, yeah, the next big thing is to, for that cost cap report to come out. Um, it started in Singapore with lots of rumors flying around the paddock and kind of being led by Toto Wolf. Um, 
and Benotto uh, saying that uh, they had heard that Aston Martin and, and Red Bull had gone over the cap in 2021. And Horner rightfully saying, like, how do they know? Like, I don't know what they spent. Like, where is this coming from? So we'll see it, if uh, if it's a minor overspend. I think they, they classify it as like procedural um, minor and material. And if it's like less than five million over the hundred and forty five million dollar or less than five percent over the hundred and forty five million dollar cap, then it's kind of more or less a slap on the wrist. If it's more than a five percent overrun, then um you know, they could take points away. I guess they could take a championship away, but um, I think that's highly unlikely. But I think that's the kind of big piece of news to be looking for, uh, I believe, on Tuesday, because um, that could have, you know, repercussions into next year in terms of what fines or a reduction in the cap that, uh, you know, those teams who overspent are going to have to pay. As we watch the rest of this thing kind of play out and whether or not there's going to be more than just slaps on the wrist or everybody kind of understanding, yeah, we're all kind of new at this. There's still some racing going on here. And so what is the jockeying for these seats that are still going on? We saw, obviously, the big news uh, prior to the weekend that Pierre Gasly is going to be headed to Alpine. Two Frenchmen on the same team. Uh, Two Frenchmen the, that don't the, really like each other. I, was, I love that. See, that's <laughs> the part I love, too. Right? Like, yeah. like if, if anybody who's watched the, that Drive to Survive series knows – I mean, uh, Esteban Ocon and uh, and Pierre Gasly are not best friends. They are Frenchmen, and they're, ra- and they're racing on the French team. Uh, and, and that's a really fun thing, I guess. Yeah, what do you think did about you that s- combo? I mean, that's a really, really did good Did you see the press release photo of uh, Pierre Ocon, um, who else, uh, um, Otmeyer, and one other guy from the team? They probably had, to, they probably s- had to Photoshop them all at different points smiling because the, they're, they're never around each other smiling. They're all standing like shoulder to shoulder <laughs> With their arms in these awkward positions, yeah. no one's smiling, and it's like it just like they had like the PR team put a gun to their head and say I we have it. to take a photo together. You, at that point, you got to make a you got to make a creative decision and go. Let's just get their best photos of them, like with big smiles on their faces, and have just a collage. And we'll we'll uh, we'll green screen Pierre. We'll put the Alpine. We'll Photoshop the Alpine stuff on him, and that'll be good enough. Because the last thing you want to do is get those guys together, especially a couple of weeks before the season's over. And they probably were just forced into this thing. And I know they don't love each other. So what's that history though? I, Why don't they like each other very much? I, I'm not entirely sure because you know uh, Ocon posted a photo on Instagram of him and uh, Pierre when they were young. So that maybe it just kind of stems from having to always compete each other in karting growing up. But um, I think that they're, it's going to be an interesting pairing next year. Alpine is fast, and I think Pierre and Esteban are, are fast as well, and they're going to have such a rivalry between okay, who's, who's number one in this uh, pairing that uh, I'm excited to watch those two. They might, they might uh, trade paint uh, if they find each other uh, on the track next year. So I think that's going to be a cool pairing to watch. And then the other news is Nick DeVries um, confirmed with Williams, right? So... No, Alpha Tauri. With Alpha Tauri. With yeah. Alpha Tauri. That's it was right. A, it, was a, it could have been like three or four different team options there. That's so right. you could have, you, the blue, we could have one recorded of the blue this. Teams. Right. We yeah. could have recorded this. You could have said it, we could have had takes with you saying any of those teams and it would have worked out. We would have pressed it was, play. It's right Alpha Tauri. So it's still the Williams seat and the uh and the Haas seat that are still unknown. Uh the Haas seat is interesting too because is that just Mick Schumacher's not going to be invited back? I I the further it gets into this, the deeper we get into the season, I think the more likely it is that they they you know re up them. So 
we'll see. I hope he's, I hope he stays, but I mean, Daniel Ricardo's, you know, said that it doesn't look like he's going to have a seat in F1 next year, but man, if I'm Gunther Steiner, I think that man, with the American fan base behind an American team who loves Daniel Ricardo, if I'm having to pick between the two, I'd probably pick Danny Rick over, over Mick Schumacher, but I don't, I don't know if Danny feels like that's too much of a step backwards. I think they all live in Monaco during the year, right? I mean, for tax purposes or whatever. Yeah. Or as they all say, uh, you know, just for better travel situation, right? That's like, right. Well, that's what they kind of wink at each other. With. But Danny, zero yeah, percent tax doesn't right. have anything to do with it. <laughs> uh, but Danny Rick also has a house in L.A., and I know that he travels there quite often. And so, and he does. He has that that American draw, and he just and he has a little bit of an American attitude. I think that's why people like him. Some of these dudes come across way too European uh, for an American style. Sometimes maybe that's why more Americans aren't into the sport. Way too European of uh, of a posh attitude for these guys to jump in on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope that he finds a seat um, in F one. If not, I hope he doesn't do the Mercedes um, reserve driver thing and just sit in the back of the garage the whole year. I'd rather see him go do IndyCar or you know even NASCAR for that matter. Just you know, stay out there, stay relevant, keep your skills fresh, and. Um, Hopefully, a better seat opens up for him in twenty twenty four, because yeah, it, it's a it, it it'd be a, it's a big loss for the grid uh, to to lose Daniel and his personality, and he's a, such a talented driver. And um, I was reading a quote this week that um, uh, Surreal, the the former Renault boss, um, yeah. credited Daniel with the big technical breakthrough that they made uh, that has made them competitive this year. That it was kind of his. Um, he was key to the to the development of the next generation car and that like he's now having had to race against kind of those uh gains that he helped create at alpine so i think that he's highly competent and still in his prime and should definitely be on an, in an f1 seat so how does it work the rest of the way how does how does uh what does red bull do to i guess kind of you're the, you've got the World Driver Championship locked up, obviously. The Constructors Championship is probably locked up, too. But I guess there's a version of that where you have uh, Checo finishing ahead of, of uh, Ferrari for, like, a true one-two. Or does that really matter? I mean, to, to Checo, you heard him in that in that first part of that interview where he goes. And he kind of made reference, Dan. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can kind of break it down for us, too, because I don't know sometimes how these guys really feel about each other. I mean, the egos that are there, it has to be huge. But listen again to what uh, what Checo said about the race, the championship. It, it He kind of makes mention like, yeah, and I hope Red Bull actually gives us the opportunity to or like strategically gives me a chance. I try again to, to beat Max and get the championship. So, yeah, I need the, the full support from Red Bull and hopefully we are able to to, to have that consistency that is needed for, for the championship. But for now... What a season Max has done. There you go. So, yeah, look, mm-hmm. Hopefully the team has, uh, you know, I've, I get their full support to actually go for a world championship. That's kind of the yeah. that's kind of the worst thing to say on the day that your buddy wins the uh, and your team <laughs> wins the world championship because then even at the very least you're kind of, uh, you know, letting everybody know maybe there was some gamesmanship for them to always kind of give the nod to Max Verstappen and they've obviously told Checo, no, 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 it's a – it's better for us competitively if you two are are legitimately fighting for the world championship, but you know these guys, <laughs> you know they're the main character in the in all of this, you know according to them. So so that's why they probably are saying you got to give yeah. me a shot. 
Yeah, that that is an interesting comment, kind of throwing a little bit of shade at like, well, the you know, it's kind of the team's fault for me not being in the championship hunt this year. So I hope I hope that they kind of correct that for next year. And we'll see. Like he has started uh, kind of putting uh, kind of money where his where his mouth is. Uh, he's now one point ahead of Charles Leclerc in the standings. And so, yeah, I think Red Bull really would want that one to finish in the driver standings for just a complete sweep. So I could see them for the rest of uh, the way in these last few races, um, kind of putting more strategic help behind Checo. And maybe that means giving him a toe in qualifying or maybe using Max as more of the kind of guinea pig to try out tires or, or doing the undercut or something like that during a race. So there's some things strategically that can be done. Um, and for Max, you know, they might be getting a bit more experimental with ever with whatever updates that they have left to try out. In anticipation of next year, they could think of these last few races as just, um, you know, test sessions um, without necessarily needing to win um, or worry about points. So that's a huge advantage while everyone else is still racing and trying to bring their best stuff. Um, Red Bull can experiment. Who had really great races that we had no idea had really good races, uh, you know, today as everything kind of shook out? You know, Checo, I think, uh, overperformed, obviously, but... You know, in a in a stunted race and uh, in a day that was that the conditions weren't. It's not just that they weren't good because those create really good races, but they're abysmal. That create just like a an attitude of kind of well, let's just get through this, which is I think some of these teams are just doing. But <laughs> who had exceptional yeah. races and maybe we missed it because uh, uh, we were too busy watching the FIA miss the World Championship. Yeah, a few people. Number one, I don't think Charles gets enough credit for his drive today. We kind of expect him to run second, but. Um, if you see the photo of his front tires at the end of the race compared to Checo's, uh, it's incredible. He had nothing left on those tires and Checo's look brand new still. And so that, is that a function of, uh, when their, when their tire changes happened versus like, I mean, Checo's kind of a, Checo's kind of a, a a tire whisperer, right? Is that kind of what he's known for? And I guess, and obviously both teams will have different tire deg and and the temperatures and the, in the conditions make for different tire deg too. So I think the big difference that I saw was the front wings were pretty different where Red Bull had a, had a, a bigger front wing for more front load mm-hmm. and Ferrari had a more trimmed out streamlined low drag wing, um, which probably helped them in qualifying. But when it came race time and they get on those intermediates that wear when things start to dry up a little bit, I mean, he just ate through those tires cause just not, not the same amount of front load, uh, that Red Bull was getting. And so he was nursing that thing to the very end on essentially like slick tires in the rain. <laughs> so I think kind of more credit to Charles there, even though he made that last mistake when he got pressured by Sergio, I would also say, I mean, Sebastian Vettel got driver of the race. You know, he came up from, uh, deep in the field where did you know, he started, uh, further back. I want to say he was in the teens and then he finished sixth, uh, Which and is awesome. right at the, it's awesome for him because that track, I mean, what I think he said it earlier in the weekend, he's like, these fans are better than any of the other fans in the entire world. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty uh, <laughs> aggressive for a guy who races in a lot of places that, that love him around the world. But it yeah. seemed like a little different of a send off there that he got. Like there was something even more sentimental there at Suzuka for him. Yeah. Yeah. It did seem like that every time that you saw him with a fan, um, he was, you know, taking the time to uh, you know, really pay attention to him. He was giving away gear and stuff to fans. Uh, so yeah, that was cool. And in the finish with, with Fernando that didn't get shown on the, uh, on the feed, but I've seen clips since from the, the visor cams, you know, Fernando was catching, 
uh, Vettel right there at the end, like a second or two a lap. And they thought that he might be able to get around him. And they got through that last chicane side by side and they were side by side all the way to the end. And Vettel got him by. It was like 11 hundredths, right? Of a yeah, second? 11 one hundredths of a second. And so that's, that's as close of a finish as there's been um, in distance wise between any two drivers this year. And so that's a cool finish. And, and I'm sure the Japanese fans love seeing him nip, you know, Fernando right at the it's end. It's always so. fun to see two cars. Like you, you just don't see that, you know, in, in this age, like even when these guys pass each other, they're already, you know, a half a second ahead. As soon as the, the pass happens, you, you just don't see side by side racing that often anyway. So I guess that's part of it too. I don't, I know that uh, Fernando was like, he kind of threw, maybe it was kind of one final, uh, you know, diss at Alpine, but he was like, you guys have been screwing me all year on the, what you've done to me strategy wise. Did you see that, that radio? That I didn't was, see that. No. He was basically <laughs> like, Hey, you guys have screwed me all year long. It's a shame what you've done to me basically. Oh and I thought, well, one only, well, one, only Fernando and maybe Max could get away with that or would be like saying that, you know, yeah. Seb has kind of said similar things. I think when he was at Ferrari, but uh, Lewis has gotten a, you know, got to, you've got to be a world champion. Uh, it seems like before you can start saying that type of stuff, but uh, yeah, he wasn't real happy. I think how things shook out for him, although, you know, the end uh, was, it was like a really, really nice seventh place finish for him. I know he was, I mean, he he's had a tremendous year despite the fact that he seems to be grumbling all the time. Right. Yeah. I think that Alpine at this point is like, okay, whatever, old man, just go to your next team and can <laughs> we just hey, you screwed we get the us, new blood buddy. in here. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, we screwed you on strategy? <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. how, what happened. We go to the summer break and then you you come back on another off. team, dude. Like <laughs> Yeah, there's that. no love lost there. Oh my gosh! I, I would say too, we got to do a shout out for uh, Gotifi finishing ninth and oh. getting uh, two points. He's no longer the you know <laughs> the in twenty second place. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in twentieth place now. He's ahead of Hulkenberg and somebody else. I have to look up, but he's, uh, still yeah, he's behind, no longer dead last. Is he still behind uh, Devries though? <laughs> That's always he's a, so. He's tied with Devries oh, on points, but got, because no, of the finishes, the he's. Points, yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, yeah. That's uh, good for him. It's good send off for him. I'm glad to see he got a points finish before he <laughs> finished uh, his career. Like enjoy these last four races, uh, you know, Latifi. It's been it's been real. I mean, my heavens. All right, we're wrapping things up here, Dan. Uh, anything else that we missed on this one? It seems like we were just uh, complaining the whole time, but I guess that's the way everybody has been over the last 24 hours. Yeah, no, I'm just glad that all the drivers were safe, uh, especially Pierre Gasly. I hope that that gets fixed. Uh, I think the rule change I'm hoping to see is that as long as cars are out on the track and in visibility is poor, like in wet conditions, you can't have uh, any safety vehicles out on the track. I just right. think that that's got to be like an, you know, under green, if it's bright and sunny outside and plenty of visibility, that's fine. But low visibility and low traction, there just should never be uh, a, a large vehicle out there. So I hope to see that change. And that's what I expect to come through soon. All right. Uh, Dan and I bid adieu then uh, for another edition of this one. We're going to be giving you uh, we're going to get together and do an extra kind of behind the scenes uh, F or just kind of F1 history type stuff. I'm interested in some of these aero things that you talk about on how teams can set up better for races, and we'll just kind of get into some of the technical sides of things and, and get you ready for Austin as well. So for Dan Jimenez, Alex Keery, tell everybody you know who loves racing or doesn't love racing yet, they got to get into Mode Push, the F1 podcast for Americans, by Americans, and for everybody else too. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll catch you next time, everybody. 